1: the Lord. It really, really, really is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, one of the things that makes this church stand out is the number of men who are sold out to Jesus. By the the way, you godly women... You've been standing in the gap for a long time and we love you for it. You are awesome. But boy, when God really starts moving and men surrender and men give their lives to the Lord and men stand up and stand in the gap, gap, God's up to something special. I want you to hear a couple testimonies this morning. Brother Ralph, I'd like for you to go first. These two men are very special to me, and I've told them a number of times that I'm confident that both of them will go to heaven if they don't shoot past it on the way up.
2: Amen. (laughs) But uh, one thing, Brother Henry, if I miss it, everything that goes up comes back down, and I'll grab it coming back down. Hold that mic closer, Brother. Those of you that are not jumping high enough, you're in trouble. Amen. You've got to hold it right there. Okay. That's an order. All right. All right. I thought I had it close enough. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Many of you know that uh, me and a ladder had an accident. And I want you to know that I didn't fall off the ladder, but the ladder fell with me. <laughs> and uh, I fractured my heel. And uh, I've had a time with it healing And I talked with the orthopedic doctor, surgeon. They didn't have to do surgery. God let it heal without surgery. But uh, I was thinking I ought to be up running around, jumping around and everything with it and asking. After about three months, I thought it was plenty of time. But I was remembering yesteryears. And uh, he told me, he said, it doesn't really matter about age, uh, heal is one of the worst bones in your body that you can break and it takes the longest to heal and so i tried to take heart by it but it just looked like it wouldn't get well so about four sundays from this sunday uh pastor we had some folks come down and water was in the Baptist, you may remember it and uh while they were getting ready to baptize uh We were standing and singing and praising Lord and a sister that sat over across from us. I knew her casually, didn't really know her name. I had to go ask somebody, I'll just confess my sins, what her name was, point her out and say, do you know what's her name? But anyway, she came over and tapped my shoulder. I had my foot, those of you that sit, I had to sit in the back. And had, had to put my foot up because if I stood on it very long, it would swell and get a little blue looking and then it would bother me. And uh, so she came over and tapped me while we were singing on the shoulder and said, uh, excuse me, but the Lord has been speaking to me and I just feel led to come over and pray for you. Do you mind? I said, no, ma'am, please pray. Because I've been down to the altar, been anointed with oil over it. And uh, she prayed for me just a a real sweet prayer and went on. And I want to tell you, the next day, uh, I was able to walk and, and do this. Before, I had to walk like this on the ball of my foot. I couldn't drive the car very far, especially to Tallahassee without the boot, my boot on because of the heel on the floor with the uh, gas pedal. And uh, But ever since then, you see I'm wearing both pairs, both shoes here, and I've been doing that now ever since then to church. I had to <clears throat> wear other uh, shoes, <laughs> praise God. <clears throat> but what I want to bring out is what God has done for me through the obedience of someone else. Amen. And she obeyed the Lord. Amen. And Brother Pastor was preaching about dominoes, and I shared this with him and teaching us about it. And so her, she came over with her domino and touched my domino. And everywhere I go, I've been telling about this wonderful miracle that God has worked in with me. And I don't tell how many more dominoes are going to be falling. <clears throat> Amen.
1: Hold on just a second. So, when God speaks to you, listen, the power doesn't just reside in the staff. It doesn't just reside in the board. It's in you. Yes. And when you obey God, you'll be amazed at what happens. And then God, and God will bless. God will bless. God will heal people in this congregation if you'll yeah. pray for them. And by the way, when somebody wants to pray for you and you say no, you deserve whatever's going on. You deserve the pain. You deserve. And, and, and Brother Ralph, what I like about Brother Ralph is he can dance. Can you dance, Brother? Yeah. 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 Woo. <laughs> Amen. Andre, come. This is Andre White. Uh, Loves the Lord, ministers everywhere he goes. By the way, if you call his phone and he doesn't answer and you get the answering service, you get his message, Lord help you. (laughs) Because you're either going to get saved I, told, I called him the other day and I listened to his whole message. And, and he said, Why didn't you leave me a message? I said, Because I was on my knees repenting and asking God to forgive me. And so,
3: talk to us, brother. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Um, <laughs> last week, Wings of Life from Alabama came. Most of you saw them, they had the blue t shirts. They spent time with us Saturday in prayer. They came in and we prayed. It was an awesome time. And uh, we convinced them to come back. So they came back for Sunday school. They loved Derek's class. Where are you at, Derek? They loved your class. And um, we said, well, you know, if it's raining outside, you can't go out and, and do your ministry. You might as well stay here. And sure enough, it was pouring down rain. So they stayed for that awesome message. Pastor, that was an awesome message. Awesome message. And so... They stayed, and we fellowshipped, and we talked, and we shared. And I said, okay, well, what are you guys going to do after this? He said, well, we're going to go get a bite to eat. I said, well, where are you going? He said, going to Burger King. So I said, okay, I'll meet you there. So I go there, and I'm getting all their stories of how they became. The Wings of Life ministry is a uh, recovery ministry. If you have some kind of addiction, it's an addiction recovery. They house men and women. And so they were telling me their stories, how they got there, the things that went on in their life. And, and so I was just imparting wisdom into them. And one of the things that came up was about love and how we're supposed to love anyone, anyway, everyone. And, and Derek said it earlier, even sinners love, them, love those who love them and treat others good. But, but we have to love everyone. And I was explaining to them that there are some times you got people in your life that are just hard to love. I mean, they're a little difficult. And I said, but what happens is if you pray and have an honest heart, you say, God, I really don't love this person like I should. And I need you to touch my heart and change me so I can love them the way you tell me to love. And so then at that point, God starts changing your view about them, he starts showing you the things in their life, their childhood, the, the trouble they went through, the pain they suffered, the abuse they've gone through, and all of those things that have created them to be who they are and the way they respond to the things they do. And so now, and then, instead of wanting to push them away, now you just want to embrace them and love the hurt and pain out of them because now you feel the hurt that they've gone through and you have an understanding of their life. So I'm just sharing this about, you know, if you're having a hard time loving people, Pray and ask God to help you and heal you. So I'm, I'm sharing this with them. So later on, I'm, we say our goodbyes. I got all the numbers. I've been in touch with them. Later on, I'm talking to a brother in Christ on the phone. And I'm telling about these awesome brothers that I've met at church and everything. And I'm just telling him what I shared with them. And the next thing I know, he says, I'm, I repent, I repent, I repent. I'm like, what in the world? is He tells me that he's had this hatred toward his mother-in-law. For years that she has been so cruel to him, all of his attempts to be kind to her and do good for her. And he he talks about her behind her back and just just mean. And then he said, but then I remember the stories about her. Her dad used to abuse her and beat her mercilessly. And as he as we were talking, he started to understand all the things in her life that caused her to be the way she was. And so he repented. I told him a lot of things. I said, look, your, your wife doesn't want to see your mother die and go to hell. You need to love her into the kingdom of God. I said, and, and, and again, you don't even want your worst enemy to die and go to hell. You, and then I said, and if you don't love her, you won't enter into the kingdom. And we prayed and he repented and it was a glorious time. And I said, wow, talk about domino effect. Just telling him about what a conversation with someone else convicted his heart and saved his soul. Amen. Awesome.
1: Brother Ralph brother Ralph, and Brother Andre are two of my heroes. I love I love these men and what God is doing with them. I want to talk to you today about believing and being good, believing and being good. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about being a good person, a good man, a good woman. For instance, Matthew twelve thirty-five says, a good man. Do you see that? A good man. The Bible talks about good men. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. And then Acts eleven twenty four 24 says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And then Proverbs 13, says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's Children. I can't help myself. i got to pause right here. We had a service for a good man yesterday. Perry Kennedy left an inheritance for his children's children. And I'm not just talking about money. Money doesn't hurt. But we're talking about something more important than money. Proverbs 12:2 says, A good man obtains favor from the Lord. And and ladies, I don't want you to feel left out. Proverbs 31 talks about a good woman. And I found 45 verses in the Bible that talked about good women. So the Bible has a lot to say about being good. Now, exactly what does the Bible mean when it talks about being good? Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I've come up with some ideas about what I think is good. But I want to know if you agree with me. So I'm going to share some things with you that I think is being good. And I'm going to say, that's good. And when I say that's good, if you agree with me, I want you to say amen. All right? If you don't agree with me, just be quiet. <laughs> so let's just practice. That's good. Amen. All right, so you're ready. Here it goes. When your teenage son is tempted to do something contrary to his faith and his upbringing and all of his friends are pouring on the pressure and he says, no, I can't do that. I won't disappoint my parents. And he gets in his car and he drives home. That's good? Amen. All right, I'm going to like this. When your teenage daughter is told it's okay, everybody is doing it. No one will ever know. And she says, I will know. And God will know. And she's willing to stand alone for her faith and not give in to the crowd. That's good. We're on the same page here. When Satan has a plan to take your husband down and destroy your marriage and he finds a woman who's willing to cooperate with his devilish scheme and he sends her in flirting and talking trash and your husband just smiles and says, my wife is the love of my life and I've got eyes only for her. I'm not available. That's good. Yeah, real good, right? Yeah. (laughs) And when that man comes on to your wife and tries to pull her away from you and she says, my husband is my hero and I belong to him, only him, that's good. When you get up in the morning and read your Bible and one verse jumps out like a neon light and you know God is calling on you to do something and no matter how hard it is, you do it. You obey. That's good. When someone has hurt you so deeply that you can hardly breathe, your heart aches with a pain that can't be described, but you choose to forgive that person anyway, just like Christ has forgiven you. That's good. That's real good. (laughs) Yes. When the cashier mistakenly gives you an extra $20, and you know at the end of the day it will come out of her paycheck, so you smile, hand it back to her, and say, you need to count this again. That's good. See, we're talking about what it means to be good. When you have the opportunity to say something that will expose and make your arch enemy look bad, but you remember the Bible says speak evil of no one, and you keep your mouth closed and say nothing, that's good. When integrity and truth and kindness and mercy and grace and purity and obedience... Are the guidelines you live by, that's good. So we all agree about what it means to be good, right? Now, in these next few moments, I want to talk to you about being good. In fact, I want to give you today the secret of goodness. This is the secret. Now, by the way, the only reason it is a secret is because the enemy has blinded our eyes to a profound biblical truth, a profound biblical order. But today I'm going to give you the secret of goodness, the kind of goodness we were singing about, so that you live in goodness, you act good, and goodness follows you everywhere you go. So listen up. If you're trying to be good, if you're working at being good, and that is your focus, then here's what I want to tell you. You are failing. Now, it doesn't work. Trying to be good doesn't work. You may say, well, you may argue with me and you may say, oh yeah, Pastor, it does work. I'm working on being good and I'm I'm doing a lot better. You can work on being good and you can be good up to a point, but trust me, the devil will always move you up to to, to a breaking point, to a threshold, and he will figure out some way to get you to step out of that committed goodness into something that's not good, where you're saying something or doing something or acting in a way that's not good. I'm talking about stepping into goodness and walking in the goodness of God that glorifies God, even when the chips are down, even when things are bad, even when everything's going wrong. That's the kind of goodness I'm talking about. Now see, here's here's what we know in Scripture. And that is that if you go back and study every passage of Scripture, and there are many of them that talk about good men and good women, you'll find out that they were all good because of something else. They were good because that goodness was being produced by something else. Now, here it is. This isn't going to be a long message this morning, but I'm going to tell you, if you listen to what I'm about to say, it'll change your life profoundly. I'm going to give you the formula for goodness, and I don't like formulas, but I don't know any other way to present this. I'm going to give you the formula for goodness, and I'm going to give it to you backward, and then I'll give it to you forward. Here's backward. Goodness is the result, and I'm talking about goodness, and godliness, and holiness, and doing the right thing, no matter what. Goodness is a result of righteousness. And righteousness is the result of believing. Now, forward. You believe in God. I'm not talking about casual belief. The one passage of Scripture says the demons believe and tremble. I'm not talking about a mental acknowledgement, I'm talking about really believing. I'm talking about believing in God and believing in the Word of God. You believe, and that believing catapults you somehow miraculously into a position of righteousness with God. And that righteousness begins to work on the inside. And what follows is goodness. You believe. Believing leads to righteousness. And righteousness leads to goodness. And living good. Now, friends, I want to tell you this morning you cannot be good enough to be righteous. It is absolutely impossible. On the best day of your life, one passage of Scripture says, Our righteousness, which means the best we can come up with, is as filthy rags before God. You can't be good enough to be right with God. Moms and dads, listen to me. If you are teaching your children that they need to be good so that they can be right with God, you are making a grave mistake. And it will plague them all the days of their lives. See, you can't be good enough to be righteous. But you can be righteous enough to be good. One more time, never, never can you be good enough to be righteous. But you can be righteous enough to be good. Here's here's the way it works. It's real simple in the Bible, and that is, you choose to believe. You come, as it were, to the end of yourself. You, you sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes you're broken. Sometimes you're hurting. Uh, all kinds of ways the Lord brings us to these points. But you get to that point and you choose out of desperation, out of failure, uh, out of loneliness, out of hurting. I don't know what your journey is, but at some point you choose to exercise genuine faith in a holy God. And when you do that, something happens that we'll never understand this side of heaven. But that believing Turns into righteousness. Rightness with God. And then that righteousness turns into a better you, a new, improved you, a you who's changing on the outside because you're changing on the inside because you believe in God. Are you with me? Now, by the way, this is not some newfangled theology that I've come up with on my own. No. The great theologians of the ages have all discovered this truth and they've believed it and they've preached it. The enemy just keeps blinding the household of faith so that we get things out of order. And 450 years ago in Heidelberg, Germany a Protestant confessional document was written out for teaching in the Reformed Christian movement. Now, this was a long, a long document. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. And don't let the word catechism scare you. The word catechism means Christian instruction. But they wrote out these instructions. A hundred and twenty-nine, theolo- you can look it up on the internet, hundred and twenty-nine theological questions that are answered biblically. I won't read all hundred and twenty-nine this morning. I want to read just one. This is question sixty of the one twenty-nine. How are thou righteous before God? Here's the answer only by a true faith in Jesus Christ, so that though my conscience accuses me that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them, and am still inclined to all evil, notwithstanding God without any merit of mine, but only of mere grace, grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. Even so, as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me, inasmuch as I embrace such benefit with a what? He knew this a long time ago. This confession makes it crystal clear that you don't become righteous by being good. That righteousness comes through believing putting your faith in Jesus and the Word of God. And then that begins to do something to you. People are not righteous because they're good. People are good because they are righteous and they're righteous because they believe. In my prayer room, where I pray for months now, I've had two scriptures right at the door so that when I walk out of my prayer room, I'll read these scriptures. I I want you to, See them, Genesis 15, 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, if I were to say to you this morning, Abraham was a good man, you'd all say amen. He was a good man. He was the father of our faith. He was that man that ushered in the nation of Israel. Abram was a good man. But but that goodness came out of the righteousness that he had and his righteousness came out of believing God. Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, was that just Abraham? Was that a unique situation? Listen to Romans 4, 5. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work. Read it with me but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. You see, the problem with modern-day theology is the average person out there in the world, and we as a church have a responsibility to tell them the truth, the average person has some messed up theology. They think they've got to get good enough to come to God. They think God will accept them if they get things in order. But friends, that's the wrong starting place. You don't start working on what's wrong. You start putting your faith in what's right. You put your trust in God. Through the years, I've seen it over and over and over. People come into the church, men, women, young people, and they want to do what's right. They want to be good. They... they, They want to make good decisions. They want their lives to change. They want to be good and godly and and wholesome. And, And they work at it and they try and they keep on and they keep falling back into the world. And they stay in this vicious cycle. And I know you thought you would never hear A pastor, make the kind of statement I'm about to make. But I want to shout sometimes, stop trying to be good. It doesn't work. It'll work to a point, but the enemy always knows where that point is. He knows how to push the button. He knows how to get your goat. He knows how to take you into a place where you cannot on your own keep being good. There has to be something supernatural in you that's producing that goodness. Amy Grant used to sing a song, some of you will remember it, being good is just a fable. I just can't because I'm not able. I'm here to tell you, we can't. We can't be the people God wants us to be on our own. We No matter how hard we try, we can't be good enough. But here's what we can do we can believe. And if you think about it, what an amazing, wonderful, awesome God we have that He made it possible for all of us on the same level. If you believe, you can believe. You can choose to believe. You can choose to believe that you can't, but He can. That you're not able, but He is able that you are a failure, but He is not a failure. You you can choose to believe the Word of God. Go back and read your Bible. The Scripture will come alive. But as many as believed on Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. You want to be a child of God? you got to believe. You want to be righteous? You have to believe. One passage in Romans says, For with the heart, Man believes unto righteousness. Oh, friends, you you could go out into the world. You could leave here today. You could make the greatest commitment you've ever made in your life. But there's absolutely nothing you can do that will ever move you from where you are to righteous standing with God that translates into a good life that glorifies God. But friends, just a few awesome, sacred, miraculous moments at this altar or some altar somewhere else. God can take you and catapult you into righteousness. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a secret. And again, the only reason this is a secret is because the devil doesn't want you to know this that you start by believing. You start by believing. There's a transference that takes place that nobody really understands. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And in the New Testament it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He he who knew no sin took my sin so I could take his righteousness, and God laid on him the the sins of us all so that we could be righteous. And all of that is made possible through believing. Through believing and all that believing involves. That repenting and trust, just turning to God with your belief. Now, there's an old saying, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And you may be thinking, Pastor, this sounds too good to be true. But I want to ask you, what you're doing right now, what you're doing right now, is it working? I'm just asking, is it working? Because see, there's only, there's only two avenues. There's only two avenues. There's trying and there's trusting. And you can spend the rest of your life Trying. But friends, if you'll start trusting God, make that your focus. Make that your focus. I won't ever forget a, a, a great spiritual man stood on this stage, came to preach for us, and a guy walked up on this stage, and he said to him, he, he said, I need to talk to you. He said, I'm an alcoholic. And, and the pastor said, I don't want to talk to you about your alcohol. And he said, no, i got to talk to you about my alcohol. i got an alcohol problem. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. He said, I just can't. He said, I told you I don't want to talk to you about your alcohol. I'm standing there listening. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? He said, Pastor, you don't understand. I need to talk to you about my addiction and my alcohol. He said, young man, I'm not going to talk to you about your alcohol. Alcohol is not your problem. Your problem is you haven't come to the place where you're ready to believe in Jesus who can change you on the inside that will change you on the outside.
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.